Tonight's topic as we talk about God's will is silence and waiting. Yeah, everybody's like, mm, mm, mm. There are probably few things in life that irritate us more than waiting. Right? We all go to the store and we look like a bunch of meerkats at the store when you've got your basket or your few things and you're wondering which is the quickest line. Right? And we're popping up and we're doing this thing here. And it's just like a whole series of little National Geographic going on in the Walmart as we're all looking for the fastest line. And inevitably, what happens? The line you get in is not only not the quickest, it might be the slowest. And we just get kind of, this is like, I got things to do and I got places to be. So sometimes we wait in the line at the store. Sometimes we wait in traffic. Oh, man. As the triangle has grown, traffic has increased greatly. Even in Chapel Hill, traffic has picked up quite a bit. And we all hate traffic. Not just traffic for traffic's sake, but when you're sitting maybe like two cars back at the light, and you realize the person at the light, the light turned green about maybe like a year ago. And they're still looking down at their phone, texting somebody, waiting on that, waiting on that to move, right? Or waiting in a waiting room at a doctor's office or a hospital or, or waiting for a job interview, right? Congratulations, Madeline, on getting your job yesterday. Awesome. And then, who got somebody else? Did you get a job too? <laughs> and then we all have that one friend who is really late all the time, right? Oh, wait a minute. I didn't mean to point anybody out. Madeline, this, this is a safe environment here. Don't be shaming anybody in here, right? And if you don't have that one friend, it just might be you. So, those of you that think you're never late, you just, you just might, it just might be you. So, um, you know what I also find is with the advancement of technology and all the apps and everything that we're exposed to these days, that also accelerates and adds to our level of impatience. And I've seen this most recently in my youngest child. I have, those of you who don't know, I have two boys, one 16 and one 10. 16-year-old does pretty good navigating technology and restricting his time. The 10-year-old, however, when he gets his time, he just turns into a whole other animal, right? <laughs> and you, like, if you try to take it away from him, it's just like, he starts to low growl at you, you know? Just, and he just gets upset and he gets irritated. And it, we're just coming off like an extended weekend, right? Because you guys had MLK. And then my kids had teacher work days yesterday. So they really had like a four-day weekend. So they got extra time. They usually don't get like screen time during the week because we want to focus on extracurriculars in school and life and all that good stuff. But man, you, he, he gets really impatient and edgy and all these things. I even notice it about myself, believe it or not. But um, yeah, he's, he just, technology can make it even worse. And here's something I want to point out. Technology is good if we can use it like anything else in moderation, right? We don't overdo it. But here's the thing to keep in mind. It tends to steal away your ability to calm yourself because you're constantly being distracted right? And none of us are immune to it. We're just like, hey, you've got to turn certain notifications off on your phone, otherwise you're just doing this all the time, right? So it makes it difficult to calm ourselves. It makes it difficult, therefore, to think deeply, to cre think creatively. You need that space and quietness and stillness to think creatively. And even just to, in a sense to have some vision to see more long-term <laughs> versus just right now. Like, I'm just, now as college students, I get it. You're dealing with the right now, right now, all the time, right? It's just, I just got to get this paper done. 
Just got to get tomorrow, and then I'll read those 200 pages that I put off. I know it was on the syllabus from three months ago, but I'm reading it now. Yeah, that kind of thing. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to draw pretty heavily from Rick Warren's uh, talk on daring faith, but it just had some really good practical stuff for you guys, and so I thought it was very much worth sharing with you. So there's some things that we can do, though, while we're waiting. Okay, so while we're waiting on a response from God for something we need to know, God, should I apply for this job? Should I apply for this internship? Should I continue dating this particular person? Right? What should I do within my family? There's some disruption in, in, in relationships within my, my family, my mom and dad, my, who, my brother and sister, whoever it might be. But there's some things you can do while you're waiting for God's response. And here's the thing. Often, God's going to make you wait. And we're going to talk about why that might be. So the first thing I want you to just kind of notice is there's some things we can learn while we're waiting that you can only learn while you're waiting. For example, the difference between no and not yet. Now, when my kids were really small, when you were really small, your parents would kind of get frustrated because when you were young, you had no concept of time. And so all you knew was you were going to McDonald's for a Happy Meal at some point. (laughs) And you're just, are we going? Are we going? Are we going? Or if you're riding on a long trip, are we there yet? Are we there yet? The answer is not yet, but not yet does not always mean no. And so just making a simple distinction between no and not yet. Oftentimes when we're waiting on God, it's a not yet versus a no. And so just that that simple thing we can learn as we go through the waiting process. Also, I just mentioned ago, perspective. Have you ever made a decision or given your opinion on something because you thought you knew all there was to know about the particular topic? Only to find out after you blurted out your excellent and perfect response to solve the problem that you didn't know all the details of the information. I, for one, do this a lot. My wife gets mad at me, right? Because I walk in on a conversation and I hear about 10 seconds of the conversation. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that. And then I offer my expert opinion that is really ignorant and uninformed. And I do it anyway because I lack all the information. I lack the perspective that sometimes only time can give you, right? Sometimes information, things you need to know in your life are uncovered over time. And so you have to wait. But there's also learning that process. Our brain says, I know the answer, and we jump right in. But we might be missing something, or a key piece of information may be revealed later. And we always say to ourselves, we think to ourselves at least, if I had just waited, I would have known that one thing. Also in the waiting, we can learn to practice self-control and deny ourselves. Ooh, man. Who likes that? Nobody right? Self-discipline. Who likes self-discipline? Who likes discipline in any form? Nobody. We all want to look good in front of the mirror, but we don't want to spend hours in the gym, right? That's the way, that's the truthfulness of the the thing. Did you, if you think of it this way, think of it in terms of money. Almost all forms of debt occur because of impatience. We want what we want when we want it, and so we buy it even if we don't have the money for it, and we just borrow it. Now, that's not a great way to live your life. I get investing in things, okay? A mortgage in a home, you borrow the money, you're investing in the equity of the home, even in your degree to a certain extent, right? Although we all know we can borrow to the point that that, does, that gets out of balance as well. To a certain point, we invest in ourselves and our degree and therefore what we're going to do when we finish school, and that's, that can be a good investment. But other things, like buying a car and carrying $300, $400 of car payment every single month for the next six years, probably not the best investment if we would wait, slow down, save the money, and when we have the money, buy the car, 
we would find a bit more peace and direction and order to our lives. Here's the thing. When you owe because you were in a rush to get what you wanted and not willing to deny yourself or discipline yourself in any way, because you owe somebody else, that money or that resource or that time cannot be unlocked to give to the things that you really want to do. Right? They're designated already for those things, and therefore you can't release them into the more creative, charity, vacations, whatever you want to put in that category. You can't do the other opportunistic things that you really wanted to. And here's one more thing. Waiting, while you're waiting, it's there for you to protect you and prepare you. I think sometimes God causes us to wait so that He's protecting us from something and preparing you for something. Now, you might not believe, and this has happened to me twice in my life. My wife's from Arizona, and uh, we were traveling in the northern country up in the hills of Arizona, and the highways there have these big sweeping roads, and you can run about, the speed limit's 75. And occasionally you see these pack of cars come through about 85. All, not bumper to bumper, but very close to one another. And so one time we were driving, and we were like six hours from home. And after, if you've driven in Arizona long enough, you know that it all looks the same. I tell my wife I'd rather drive it at night because otherwise it looks like you're passing the same cactus over and over again. <laughs> true. It's very true because some of those roads are long and straight. Anyway, this pack of cars comes blowing by us, and the temptation is what? I don't want to be out here on this road all day. I'm just going to jump on the tail end of that pack because everybody knows that the guy in front is going to get pulled over anyway, and we're going to get home even faster, faster, faster. And so we thought about it. We even talked about it, and then we said, like, let's let them go. And so we let them go, and we kept on our little turtle 75-mile-an-hour base going, going home. Well, about 30 minutes later, we come up on just the whole road to stop. Like, it's a highway, but both lanes just completely dead stop. And, and we creep and crawl for about another 20 minutes, and finally that whole pack of eight or nine cars is, is scattered everywhere. They were just traveling at such a high speed, so close together, that one person made a mistake, and it ended up putting everybody everywhere. Bad, bad accident. You can say God protected you, didn't protect you. If I had practiced being in a hurry, I'd have been in the pack and potentially could have been scattered along there as well. Here's the thing. Many of us are waiting on God right now for direction, clarification, an answer to prayers, what job should I take, what major should I go for, again, what person should I, should I keep seeing this person? Sometimes, though, God has to work on you before He can work on your solution. Amen. And that is where the waiting comes in. God is way more concerned about what He does in you than in your life sometimes because you are the most important thing in that regard. So what, that, what does that mean? It means a lot of times we're not ready for the answer. God's saying, I need to do something in you so that you can be ready and prepared to walk in and handle whatever that next thing is, whether it's a job, whether it's somebody you're going to marry, or whatever. pick whatever's out ahead of you that you're trying to make some sense of. But we want it when we want it. But what would happen if God gave us everything we wanted when we wanted it? Man, we'd be spoiled rotten, wouldn't we? So here's what we're going to do to break down the rest of this time. By the way, there's a text, there's a question up here. As I talk, if something comes to mind, you can text the question. At the end, we're going to have a time where I'm going to try to answer your questions. Okay? So if something comes up and you're like, hey, what about this situation? This is anonymous. You can just text your question in and we'll, we'll read as many as we have time for at the end. Is that cool? I want to make sure you guys saw that. So we're going to break out these two sections in. 
to, I'm going to say, remember and do. So to remember while waiting, here's some things you need to remember while you are waiting. There's a natural delay between planting and harvesting. Right? When you do, there's a natural day. You don't just plant something the next day, bam, it's a full-grown plant or it's producing fruit or, 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 or it's kind of whatever, seeds even. Right? It takes time. There are things in your life that are going to take time to mature and progress to the point that they're what you want them to be or what you need them to be. And so there's a natural delay between planting and harvesting. Sometimes there can be a spiritual battle. Now, I'm not going to get deep in this because this is a bit of a mystery when it comes to scriptures. And even though we see glimpses of it from time to time, we don't fully understand what's going on around us in the spiritual realm in this regard every day. But if you go back to Daniel chapter 10, you'll read a story where Daniel's been fasting and praying for weeks. The answer to his prayer has not come, but then one day an angel comes and the angel tells him, I have been hindered or kept from you by, uh, by a dark spiritual force. We've been in battle and I got relieved and now I've come to you. We heard your prayer the first time. And so that image is given to you that sometimes things are being held up because there's a spiritual battle going on. Um, that we cannot see. A delay is not a denial is also something we need to remember. A delay is not a denial, kind of like no and, and not yet, right? Also remember the delay is preparing you for the response. Not only is the delay preparing you for the response, the response is being prepared for you. So God is at work way ahead in advance of us, right? Although we are tied down to the minutes and hours and, and, and the way we view time, okay, some of us could argue, that some of you that might be physics majors or astrophysics majors or whatever could argue different theories on that, but essentially we're finite beings. God is the only being that is outside of time, and therefore that means He already knows what you're going to do in advance, and so He's working on that end of it while He's working on the now. The delay is preparing you for the response, the response is being prepared. And here's the other thing. Delays can be a strengthening thing for you. Troubles or delays test, purify, and strengthen your faith. We've always said that things that come, the things that you have to work for are the things that you value the most in life. Right? Things that come easy to you, you can take them or you can leave them. You might be grateful you got something free in the moment, but it won't hold a great value for you, odds are, if it didn't cost you something. And so delays, test, purify, and strengthen your faith. First Peter uh, 1, verses 6-7. through 7. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, through, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And so there is a strengthening of your faith that comes in the waiting because there's testing, there's challenges, there's questions that come in the course of that time. So when you're waiting, remember those things. When you're waiting, your waiting does not diminish you. Okay? We tend to look at people that get the answers and the solutions that they want in quick amounts of time or seemingly quick amounts of time, and we think, therefore, they're more valuable 
or they're more right with God or whatever, however you want to determine it, while we're sitting and waiting for our response. But we do not find validation or value in quick answers. <coughs> we must remember also to cultivate expectancy while you wait. Amen. Mm. It's kind of like a mother and a child, right? When a, a mother finds out she's pregnant, what we say? She's expectant, right? She's waiting on the child to be born, and that takes some time for that to occur. But she's expecting that child to come. She has a hope and an expectation that it will happen. God always keeps His promises, and you need to remember that as well while you wait. Put our focus on what God can do, has promised, who He is, rather than what we cannot do or what we lack. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3 says, My word will come true at the right time. At the right time, which is the part that we don't like. That implies waiting. Many people in the Bible had to wait. You think of Moses wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because these knuckleheads couldn't get it right. Right? God's asking. Again, it's about what He was trying to do in the people. They probably could have crossed the desert in a matter of a few weeks or a few months, and instead they ended up having to go round and round. Why? Because they were not maturing, they were not growing, they were not becoming the people that God wanted them to be. But sometimes you got to wait. When uh, my wife and I got married, at the time we were traveling the world and changing countries about every three, four weeks with a ministry uh, based out of South Florida. And... Um, we wanted to have children. We decided, hey, let's wait a couple years. Let's be married for a couple years, and then we'll start trying to have children. And we just thought, man, all right, when you start trying to have children, you just have children, right? Well, about three, four years in of not having children, we're wondering what's going on. Go to the doctors, and they're like, no, there's nothing wrong with either one of you. You're fine. You should be able to have children. Maybe it's just the stress of your, of your schedule and whatnot. And we, were, we had a prayer time probably around... Gosh, I would say 1998. And we felt like God gave us a name. And the name was Josiah Daniel. Those two names. Fire of the Lord and God is my judge. Those are the meanings in those two names. And we just sat with them. And they thought, oh, this is going to be the name of our first child. And like four years later, there was no children. But eventually, we moved to South Africa and um, we had him. And we didn't even have to look at the ultrasound. We just knew when we found out she was pregnant. It's a boy. This is his name. And so we had to wait, but it was worth the waiting. All right, so those are things to remember while you're waiting. Here's some things to do while you're waiting. Ready? All right. Now, before I say, tell you what to do, there's only a few of them, but I want to give you a few things to do. There's some things we need to, we need to frame up. I mentioned a moment ago about a woman that's pregnant with child, expectant, having a child. When you're waiting, there's a big difference between being passive and expectant. Passive is, I'm going to sit around and just wait for my thing to happen. Right? Alright, I'm just going to, hopefully, maybe, one day, something's going to happen sooner or later, and I'm just going to wait on it. I'm not really going to do anything. Expectant, though, has the meaning behind it that I'm going to do something, because I'm expecting this to happen. For example, again, a mother that's pregnant with child, when we had our when Michelle was pregnant with our first child or our second child, right? Did we just sit around and wait for the day that Josiah was born and go, you know what, we might ought to go to the store. We might ought to we should get some stuff, you know? What's this what's this alien thing gonna need to eat anyway, right? 
When he's 16, it'll be a whole lot more than when he was born. I can tell you that. But um, no, an expectant mother is doing what? She's preparing the room that the child's going to be in, right? Getting a crib, diapers, bottles, all blankets, whatever children need, she's preparing. And so while she's waiting, she's doing because she's expecting the answer to come. So expectancy versus passivity. All right, what to do? Write down the lessons you're learning. While you're waiting, while you're in the waiting room of life, while you're waiting on that answer to, for your prayer, write down the lessons you're learning. Waiting is a season to learn. Amen. Yeah. We don't like it. We don't want to go through it. We want to Google it and have it and done. Watch a video on how to do it. I love these things because I've learned a lot of things I can do. But waiting is the season to learn. If you don't write things down that are new to you or that you need to learn, what happens? Forget. You forget them. You absolutely forget them. And when you forget them, guess what? God has to take you through the lessons again. <laughs> Which is why the Israelites wander in the, in the desert for like 40 years before they get to the promised land. They have to repeat the lessons over and over again. The way through the promised land is through the desert and the wilderness. And sometimes the, the greatest lesson to learn in that process is, is trust. Trust. Moses, though, he even wrote it down. Numbers 33, 2 says this, At the Lord's direction, Moses kept a written record of their progress. So when you write the things down that you're learning, they're like mile markers in your life. You might keep a journal. You might not keep a journal. I would, I would encourage you to have some way to capture the answers to prayer and the things that you're learning. And that's different than like a diary. A diary is like, hey, I went to Merritt's today and got the best BLT on the planet. Right? Or, I don't know. We went, I went to Yopo with my girlfriends and we got, you know, yeah, some of you do that. Or I just ate the giant burrito and I regret it at Cosmic Cantino. <laughs> So a diary is like, hey, I just did these things. A journal or something equivalent to it is I'm writing down the things that I'm learning. I'm writing down the significant things in my life. And they become mile markers of your progress. And therefore, you can look back on them and say, I was back there <laughs> floundering and struggling. But as I read these mile markers, as I have some type of way of recording them, I see my progress along the route in the journey that I'm on. Amen. It's important for you, even with your schoolwork, if you do that. You need to be able to look at back at the course of your semester and go, hey, I started here and I had all these things, but I got that done and I got this done and then this got done, and see your progress. We all need that encouragement. So write it down. In the waiting room, it is also a good, good time when you're in the waiting to memorize Scripture. Why? Because a lot of times Scripture is there to encourage you to enlighten your mind and your heart and help you understand the things that you need to understand. Galatians 6, 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That means there's going to be a time frame in there where it feels like you want to give up. Yeah. Anybody ever been there? I want, it, I want something to change for the better. It doesn't feel like it's going to. But when I go back to those verses, I'm reminded that if I don't give up, something good is going to come. Isaiah 40, 31. You guys might know this one. I heard it in other places. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In Psalm 3, 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Man, how much do I need that last one? As I wait on the answer and the direction and the clarification that I need, I need to memorize that because it, I, if I stand on a promise of someone who's always faithful and trustworthy, it will come. Amen. Secondly, imitate the habits of strong faith. So the first thing is write down the lessons you learn. Second thing you can do while you're waiting is imitate the habits of strong faith. If you say, my faith's not very strong, that's okay. Find somebody in your life or around you that does practice habits of strong faith and imitate what they do. You know somebody like that. You don't have to be in close proximity to them these days. FaceTime them, call them, whatever it takes. You know, shadow them on social media. I don't know. It sounds kind of creepy. Stalk them, whatever you want to do. But watch people with good spiritual habits and adapt them for yourself. You know, it's what you're doing in class every day anyway. Especially if you're studying a subject that you care about. You're listening to what this professor's teaching. You're, taking the, you're eating the meat and spitting out the bones, so to speak, right? You're taking the good habits. You're taking the good bits of information for yourself, forming your own opinion off of them and growing through that process. So imitate the habits of those around you for your own maturation as you wait. Philippians 4.9, Paul writes to the church there. He's saying, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Psalm says he'll make your path straight, right? And then Paul's saying here, God of peace will be with you if you practice these things. And so imitate good habits. Thirdly, while waiting, don't put your life on hold. Don't think you are frozen and can't do anything. I knew I had some friends that years ago were uh, missionaries in Israel, and they literally would not get on a bus to go to the grocery store unless they had a sense that this is God's will. I think God's kind of like, are you hungry? Yeah. Do you need groceries? Yeah. You might want to get on the bus and go to the grocery store, right? Sometimes we can over-spiritualize it to the point that we are frozen and can't do anything, can't make any choices. And here's the thing. God protects your right to make choices. It's why we make stupid choices all the time. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not pointing at y'all. I'm we, all of us, right? We do. So while waiting, don't put your life on hold. Don't be afraid to live. Don't be afraid to try based on what you do know. You have to keep moving. It's a time as you wait to develop character, perspective, habits, understanding, skills that you will need later on. So you are growing and you are maturing in the waiting so that when the response comes, when the opportunity comes, you're ready to walk in it fully. Amen. I love this from Ecclesiastes, and we'll try to wrap up here real quick, and then we'll get to your questions. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And so... I love it because in time He is making everything, you, me, our circumstances, beautiful. Another verse talks about how God is, to, uh, ah, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on it, uh, working for the good of those who are called according to His name. 
God takes all things and works them out according to... I'm paraphrasing totally now, y'all. Sorry. That's why I need to memorize stuff because I'm really bad at it. But the point is, God has a timing, not a, as, the, as the Greek says, a chronos time, meaning a watch or a clock, right? But a fullness of time, when it's the right moment for something to happen. Again, if you take the picture of a pregnant mother, when it's the right moment in time for that baby to be born. It's beautiful. So I'm going to give you just a few things. We'll go to your questions. So the Bible gives you a few things that you ought to keep doing also as you wait here. The first thing is keep praying. Matthew 7, 7, the New Living Translation says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Don't give up on seeking the answer that you need. Keep praying. Keep serving. Serving, did you know one meaning for serving also means to wait? Oh, man. Well, that really stinks. I don't want to wait and serve, and then I'm, so, now I'm double waiting, and that really stinks. Have you ever been to a restaurant? What do you call the person that serves you? Christopher. Christopher. <laughs> That's true. Sheiky, man. Sheiky sushi. Huh? He's a waiter, or she's a waiter. Right? They are waiting on you, although you might feel like you're waiting on them to come back with your drinks from like an hour ago. Right? They are a server or a waiter because in, in the original language, those are the same things. And so while you wait, serve. People that wait on a queen, for example, are called ladies in waiting. In other words, don't sit around waiting for your perfect moment or answer. It will come in its time. Get out and serve. Right? As we get ready, we're having our uh, East Africa mission trip meeting on Sunday. As we get prepared over the next month or so to go to East Africa, we could sit around and go, wow, that's really far. That's during my spring break. I'm going to take up my whole spring break to go do serve, serve in East Africa. It's expensive. You know, we could come up with a whole list of things to sit around and do absolutely nothing. Or we could say, I'm going to go to the inconveniently lost because, and knowing that it inconvenienced me, knowing that maybe I'm not going to get all that I want out of it right now, but I'm going to go and serve anyway. So don't sit around waiting for the perfect answer or time. Find something accessible, put your hands to it, find someone in need, and serve. Keep going to life group! Yeah. All right, right? And life group leader right there, yeah. We have life groups that meet throughout the week. Okay? Men's and women's on multiple nights, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays. Find one. Get involved. Connect with other people. Hebrews 10.25 says this, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Get in a life group. Keep going. Grow together. Imitate others. Be supported in your waiting. Waiting is always better when you are waiting with someone. Man, the self-talk that goes on our heads when we wait alone is some bad stuff most of the time. Waiting with someone else that says it's going to be all right. I'm going to go with you. I will wait with you makes a big difference. So keep going to life groups. Two more things, we'll take questions. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. Keep giving yourself away. Don't sit around think, thinking about what you lack and therefore don't do anything. Take what little you have and give it away. If it's a text of encouragement to somebody, send them a text message. Write them a note. 
Buy them their favorite candy bar. I don't know. Buy them a cup of coffee. Whatever it takes. Buy them a Red Bull. I don't know. Whatever your favorite uh, yeah, survival mode is. Ecclesiastes 11.6 In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Put good things into motion in your life with other people. When you really boil down all the teachings of Jesus, and He said this Himself, but it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. That's an active thing to be doing while you're waiting on the answers that you need. Okay? And lastly, keep on believing. Amen. Keep on believing. Don't give up on your faith just because timetables are long or the answer's not yet or it's difficult. Okay? This is why you need people around you, waiting with you, encouraging you. But keep on believing. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. So keep on believing. So I want to wrap this up, and then we'll go to questions. Here's the thing. As you wait, stay active. Stay active. Okay? Continue to walk out your faith every day. Continue to mature in your faith every day. Don't attempt to do it all by yourself because if you do, you will sit in a puddle of woe is me and God's not faithful and people don't like me and my life's not going well. It may not at times, okay? Following Jesus does not guarantee you a smooth life. In fact, I passed over it earlier. I had a slide um, that some of you that have been around me long enough to know there's a saying in the military that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And what that means is this. In life, we tend to think, have you ever thought of a soldier in a combat situation? Explosions going off all around and bullets flying by. Maybe doesn't know exactly where they are. People screaming and yelling and enemies popping up here and there and it's just chaos, right? And the instinct is to just run through that as fast as you can go and what happens when you run really fast? What does your vision look like? Blurry. It's blurry. It's shaky. It's up and down. It's all this. Do you have perspective in that moment? Absolutely not. So what soldiers have learned to do, even though it's, it's counterintuitive to their instincts, is to slow down, move smoothly. And what that does is it stabilizes their vision. They can assess threats better, targets that they need to hit, goals that they need to achieve, and opportunities that lie ahead of them. They can hear instructions more clearly. And it just slows everything down to a manageable state. It doesn't mean it's not still chaotic around them, but inside of them, slow is smooth and smooth is fast because now they're operating at a level that is more efficient and better to what they, the outcomes that they want to achieve, which I would venture to say we would all hope to have that as well. It's also easier, let me just leave you with this one too, it's also easier to turn a moving car than a parked one. Y'all ever try to do that? You're like somebody's car's dead, and it's like you put it in neutral, and you're like, you like got to push it to another spot or something. It's really hard if that car's not already moving to get it somewhere. We lived in Arizona, and it would heat up to like 115. One time I had this old junky van. It probably weighed like 5,000 pounds. I don't know. It was just big, right? And the asphalt had started to melt and soften, and the thing wouldn't start, which happened about every other day. And so me and some of the guys had to push that thing. And it's just, you know, it's really difficult. But a moving vehicle is much easier to steer. Same thing with our lives with God. 
if we're active and serving, if we're being proactive in our faith and growing and maturing and doing that together, okay, it's much easier for us to change direction and be ready for the opportunities that, that sit out in front of us. So it's better than, than kind of panicking and being overstressed. And I'm not knocking anxiety. We've seen a tremendous spike in anxiety and stress in, in, in our culture as a whole. That's, that's just the brutal honesty, and I'm glad we're finally getting to a place that we can talk about those things, right? They shouldn't be things that are hidden and kept away. We all need to be cared for and helped. So, all right. So that's what I got for you on waiting. Did we get questions? Who's capturing questions tonight? I have one. Emily's got? Anyone else has a question, text it in, or if I didn't get your question for some reason, you can raise your hand and ask it. And I will try to repeat the question. I know you guys can probably hear Emily, but just for the sake of the... The podcast, I'll try to, or you know what, we probably don't necessarily need questions. You want to keep questions on the podcast? Okay. What you got? Um, is there ever a time when we should give up the expectancy, expectancy slash wait for some particular thing? Hmm, that's a good question. I think it, it really goes a couple things. All things that you consider as possibilities and options or opportunities in your life that you need decision, you need answers for. First thing is you, you compare that against the Scriptures. And sometimes we'll ignore the parts of the Bible that don't fit with what we want the answer to look like. Right? And so we'll hold on and wait and wait for that thing. I'm like, yeah, it's just, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. And no, if you're not in community, like in a life group, for example, and you don't have anybody that's willing to speak into your life in that, and say, well, you know what? The Scriptures actually say this about that. You might want to apply that. And so I think sometimes there can be that, that deniability, right? Or you can rationalize what it is that you want versus probably what God wants for you. And I would venture to say what God wants for all of us is better than anything we can come up with on our own. Um, yeah, having said that, Megan kind of touched on, on that a little bit earlier in her My Story segment, which is she talked it, about it in terms of open doors and closed doors. At some point, if something is not materializing, it's not coming to be, then maybe that's a closed door for right now. Maybe it's a closed door permanently. But that you don't have to make that distinction in the moment, right? But that might be the time to go, you know what? I've been waiting on this thing, but it's really not coming to be right now. Maybe I need to take a little different uh, route from where I am right now. Yeah. Or maybe I need to do something else for a season until it becomes clear why, or maybe it will open up later. Sometimes a closed door is closed right now, but maybe later it opens up. And you can ask a question right now, too. If you, don't want to, you don't have to text it in. If you've got a question that you're thinking about, and I'll, if I don't know, I'll say I don't know. Tiger, what you got? How do you know if it's no or not yet? How do you know if it's no or not yet? That's, I, that's a good question. It really is. Um, it, it is a good question. Um, and it's important to us to, to, to be able to navigate that in some, in some form. I'll say this. The longer I walk with God, the deeper my relationship becomes with Him, the more I understand how He communicates to me. And the reason I say that is I want to encourage you in that as well because the knowing or the answer may come 
in a way that, that God knows you will understand it best. And the way that you will understand it might not be the way that I understand it. We, it's a little bit like, you, know, you have that voice in your head when you do self-talk, right? Mine like, calls me, like it's like my mom's voice in a little bit. But with my dad on the other end, really, which was like my mom would call me by my first and my, my first full name and then my middle name. And, and so I, I don't, I'm hard-headed, and I like to say that my wife gave that to my kids, but I think I gave that to our kids. And so I really honestly, I feel sometimes like God speaks to me in that voice that's kind of more like a football coach because that's the voice that I hear easiest. That's the way I understand it best because I'm stubborn and I don't always want to change or consider new options, right? And so sometimes the no comes across pretty strong. It's like, look, don't do this. Here's the other thing. Uh, Alex Rodriguez, who spoke at our SALT conference over New Year, said this. He says, sometimes we're waiting on a voice when we already have a verse in hand. Something along those lines. Why do we sit around waiting for like a no, like a neon sign from heaven, when God's put a big giant no smack in the middle of the Scriptures themselves? And sometimes the reason we don't see the no in the Scriptures is because, quite honestly, this is just hard reality. We don't spend any time with them. We don't know them very well. And that's just being honest, right? Because it's something like, yeah, maybe I'll get around to reading it. Or I'll read a little bit here, or a little bit there, but we've never really taken the time to get down in the Scriptures to know what they say. And sometimes there's no's in there. Now, I'm going to pause there just for a second. We've got just a few minutes left. Um, you got another one? To say, um, following Jesus is not about no's. Right? Sometimes making your decisions, I really believe this is what I've found. I talked earlier about how God protects your free choice, yeah. right? Sometimes you've got a whole range of options in front of you, and none of them are wrong. But we may freeze up thinking, i got to wait for that one. Yes, this is the one right here. Only this one, right? Um, I won't say who I get in an argument with sometimes because, yeah, we're keeping relationships safe tonight. They're not in this room, by the way. <laughs> but... Um, we have this argument about the movies have painted this idea, for example, that there's only one person in the world for you. Right? There's billions of people on the planet, but there's only one for you. And what happens if you can't find that person? What happens if that person like lives in Myanmar, for crying out loud, and you're like, I'm never going to Myanmar, and I'm never going to find them? Well, you're out of luck. Does that mean that the person you do find is bad? Is the no? And the yes is in Myanmar, farming rice? No, that's not how that works. There's a whole, let me tell you this, there's a whole range of people that you could, that, that love Jesus, that you could spend the rest of your life with and be extremely happy, and God would be pleased with any of them, with any of those choices, right? Versus there's one right and there's one wrong, and that's it, and there's no more. There's so many things in life in following Jesus that God's like, look, does, it, does, my, does my scriptures, do my scriptures say no? And the answer is no. They, they seem to be good with my, this choice. Then he's like, all right, take in all your options, as much understanding and information and knowledge as you can gain about the decision, right? And then make a good choice. Now, later on, you might go, hey, I wish I made a better choice, but that didn't make the first choice bad. Just made it different, okay? Now, I wouldn't say treat people that way, though. All right, if you... 
you're going to marry somebody, commit to them for the rest of your days, okay? Not like, hey, I don't like the purple coat. I think I'll put on the red coat now. No, nah, it doesn't work that way. So, but in other things, too, you can make choices. What's the other question? We got so like three minutes, four minutes. This person who submitted this question, shoot your hand up and correct me if I'm interpreting it wrong, but they're saying that what, like this, this stuff that you've talked about seems like systematic and formulaic Hmm. and they're asking like life is so spontaneous and variable and how does this apply how can the holy spirit work in the waiting when nothing is this like cut and dry i guess well i think there's an assumption in there that the holy spirit operates in the world like we do Hmm. right which is yeah we're subject to circumstances and, and, and traumas and, and, and all kinds of things that can happen to us, right? I mentioned earlier, God is the only being that operates outside of time, and therefore He sees already tomorrow, right? He sees what you're going to get on your Spanish test or whatever. He operates outside, so He's not, he's not influenced by it, which means that, yes, life is organic. It changes moment. Why? Because it's full of people. And we change our minds all the time like this, constantly. You probably made, you probably haven't thought about it, you might have made a hundred decisions today. What am I going to wear? You know, where am I going to eat? Am I going to go to that class today? Does she really think she's all that in a bag of chips? All right, well, that's a little too, yeah, too, a little too real there. But I think, I think sometimes... But here's the thing. If you're not careful, you can just say, hey, everything's fluid and everything's changing and everything's redefined, and surely right now in our world that's happening. But that also means more than anything right now, this is really critical for all of us tonight, you need something that you can anchor yourself on. You have to have something to anchor yourself on. If everything is just constantly situational, yes, you will have high anxiety and stress in your life. You will have trust issues because you will never know whether you can trust someone and stick around or just choose somebody else from moment to moment. And sometimes that's the reality. But if you live like that, the Bible talks about you being tossed like a wave in the sea, back and forth, back and forth, not knowing just whatever way the wind is blowing. And God's saying, no, live on purpose. Live with your identity. Okay? Have some foundation. Have some boundaries. Have some structure in your life. It's not so restrictive. It's more like... Have a river bank, okay? And the river flows through the bank. And so you can, you can move within that space, but you have to choose to be within that space. God does not coerce you and force you to be there and be that way. So, yeah, I think, I get it. Life changes and it comes at you quick. Sometimes, surprisingly, um, we just found out our area director for the southeastern United States Oh, I, I don't know if it was a heart attack or what it was. I think it was a heart attack. His dad just gone last night. Nobody, no health, known health issues. He just had a massive heart attack and gone. And so it comes and it changes. And we don't. And, and, and that's the part we hate because we think we, we should have some control over it. Guess what? You don't. But God doesn't operate in that way. He's not influenced and tossed like the waves on the ocean by the situations in the moments. He's not, he's not caught off guard to Donald Trump's president. Yeah, I know. Everybody go quiet. Everybody's trying to figure out who's the Trump supporters in the room or who. I don't care. You know, I don't, I'm just saying um, he's not caught off guard by anything in your life. 
whether it happens five years from now or five minutes from now, he's not going to be caught off guard by it. Does that mean he controls everything? No. But that does mean he sees it, he knows it, and if need be, he will intervene at the appropriate time in the appropriate ways to help you that all may, may go well for you.